here in Hebrews, of course, uh, as, as with all of the book of Hebrews, it is contrasting the, the covenant that God had with, with Israel, with the new covenant through Jesus, the one made through Jesus Christ and faith in His work on the cross. And, and uh, as, as is repeated over and over again, the new covenant is better. Jesus is better. And in this passage, we have Jesus as our high priest and, and uh, the ordinances and the sacrifices that were observed under the ceremonial law were all just a type and picture of what would one day be fulfilled in Christ. And I want us to go back and, and uh, look at the first few verses of this chapter. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims of the glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Now, what the writer of Hebrews is, is telling us about is something that would have been very familiar to a faithful Jew under the Old Covenant. And that was a description of the tabernacle the tabernacle had a, a holy place. And as the priest would enter in to that holy place, there was the table of showbread. It's explained here, the candlestick, the altar of incense. And, and, uh, but, but there was a, a, a curtain and there was a second room. But as the priest would enter in, he would enter into that first room. And the Bible says daily he would go about as carrying out the duties of his priest's office. Daily he would offer those sacrifices. And the book of Leviticus outlines for us the five different sacrifices that would be made. And of course, uh, as the writer of Hebrews says, we, uh, we, we cannot speak of them now particularly. And, and uh, I'll just mention them in Leviticus. It's the burnt offering and the meal offering and the meat offering and the trespass offering and the sin offering. And, uh, and the priests were busy there in the tabernacle offering these sacrifices, many priests, not just the high priest, but uh, many of the priests serving and assisting the, the dozens, the hundreds of offerings that would be brought to the tabernacle on a daily basis. Even on the Sabbath, there were special offerings that were to be made and, and uh, they, they would minister daily in the tabernacle. But what the writer of Hebrews is about to explain to us is that all of the sacrifices and and uh, all of the ordinance under the old covenant could not atone for sin. All this activity, all the rituals could not atone for man's sin. You know, when I survey the wondrous cross was written by Isaac Watts, he wrote many, many wonderful hymns. He wrote this hymn. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. But Christ the heavenly Lamb takes all our sin away. A sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. 
and uh, the the priest would minister offering those sacrifices but but uh, just a picture of what Jesus Christ could one day would one day do and we see that in verses uh, 7 let's read verses 7 through 10 but into the second went the high priest alone once every year and not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors the sin the transgressions of the people. The Holy Ghost thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. Now, we'll stop reading there for just a moment. In, in verse 7, it speaks about this second room in the, the, the holy place where the priests only went one time a year. And what the writer is referring to is the Day of Atonement. How on the Day of Atonement, the priest would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the entire nation. And, and uh, that, that would be done just once a year. But before he could ever offer a sacrifice for the nation, he had to offer sacrifice for himself. Before he would offer the blood of a, a goat, a uh, two goats were taken on the Day of Atonement. And uh, one of them was chosen to be the scapegoat. And the other uh, goat was chosen to be the sacrifice. Before he ever atoned for the sins of a nation, he had to offer a bullock for himself. And to atone for his sins. And, and the Bible's explaining here that this picture, that a priest would have to offer a bullock for his own sin to, to, to be forgiven before he could ever offer a, a, a sacrifice for the sin of the people. That was just a picture because the blood of bullocks and the blood of goats could not atone for the sins of a nation, for the sins of a priest. It, it was just a it was just a figure. And and uh, but but the, the priests would uh, uh, would offer these sacrifices on a yearly basis. But Christ became our high priest. Look at verse 11. We read this just a moment ago. But Christ being come in high priest of good things to come by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know, Jesus is our high priest. And the Bible tells us here that as our high priest, he took not the blood of a, a, an animal, not the blood of a beast, but his own blood into the holy place. There in heaven, in, in the, into the very presence of God, Jesus offered his blood as atonement for your sin and for my sin. You see, the reason Jesus could do this is because he himself was a perfect high priest. He didn't have to offer a bullock 
to atone for his own sin before he could then atone for ours. Oh no, my friend, Jesus never sinned. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 4 and looking, look at verse 14. Jesus was the perfect high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then we have an high, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Read those next three words. Three key words as it pertains to your salvation and mine. Ready? Yeah. Yet without sin. And because Jesus is without sin, verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was our perfect high priest. Not after the, 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 the uh, Aaronic priesthood, the sons of Aaron. No, he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And, and, uh, and, and the book of Hebrews even teaches us about that. But not only was Jesus a perfect high priest, he was also the perfect offering. You see, I want us to understand that all of this is a picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is not only the offerer, but he's also the offering. Not only is he the priest, he is also the sacrifice. You see, that's why Jesus is our all in all. You see, the, the sacrifice must be a perfect sacrifice. As the Jews would prepare for the coming Passover, they were instructed by Mosaic law to take a lamb uh, on the 10th day of the month, the Passover being on the 14th day of the month. They were to take that lamb a male lamb of the first year, a lamb without blemish, without spot, a, a male that a lamb that had not bred and, and, and have offspring, a sacrificial lamb was not just one of the flock. It was a special lamb that was chosen for that specific purpose. You see, and that's who Jesus is. He is our lamb who was set aside for the specific purpose of being our sacrifice. That's why John the Baptist proclaimed, behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. You see, Jesus is our high priest and, and our sacrifice. And by His death, He mediated for us a new covenant. We read verse 15 a few moments ago. Let's look at it again. I want to read beginning in verse 15 down through verse 18. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament, the new covenant that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that in his death, Jesus accomplished two things. Okay, Jesus fulfilled the first covenant. Jesus told the people, he, he said, uh, think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy. I am come to fulfill. You see, Jesus fulfilled the covenant. He went on to say, till heaven and earth pass, 
Not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. You see, the first covenant wasn't just set aside because something better came along. Oh no, my friend, the first covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus offered a second covenant. The first covenant was between God and His chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel. And after God brought them out of Egypt, He took them to Mount Sinai and there He gave them the law. There He gave them the taber- the plans for the tabernacle. There the children of Israel built and dedicated. Uh, Moses dedicated uh, the, the, uh, the uh, furniture of the tabernacle and, and the worship of God began. And, uh, and, and there, as, as, as uh, we read, Moses uh, spoke, verse 19, look at verse 19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined to you. So there at Mount Sinai, Moses had recorded the words of God, God's the, the terms of his covenant with the nation of Israel. And there at Mount Sinai, the, the God's covenant was read to the people and the people affirmed that they would obey the words that God gave them. And Moses with the, the with the, took that blood and with hyssop, he sprinkled both the covenant, the words of the law, and he also sprinkled the people and the covenant was made between God and the nation of Israel. And that covenant was in effect all the way through the time of the judges and, and uh, through the time of the kings and through the time of the, 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 the minor prophets, even in uh, some silent years, some some almost 400 years between Malachi and, and uh, the coming of Matthew. In all that time, that first covenant was in effect. That first covenant was in effect until the one whom Israel made that covenant with came to his people and they killed him. Take your Bibles and turn back to Matthew chapter 21. Jesus spoke of this in parable. This covenant was in effect until the until Jesus was slain by his own covenant people. Matthew chapter 21 in verse 33. Verse 33 says, Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it, built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, He sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. We read a little bit about that this morning. The faithful prophets of God that were slain by God's covenant people. Again, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. 
When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto him, Did ye never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. You understand the point of this parable? This, in this parable, Jesus said that the Son is sent to, to, to receive the fruits of His own vineyard. And though they had rejected many, many of His servants, he, they, they, he was going to give them one final opportunity and they took the Son and they slew the Son. You see, because Jesus was killed by His covenant people, that puts that that uh, that completes that fulfills the first covenant and opens up a new covenant, a second covenant that we read of here in the book of Hebrews, a covenant that is dedicated with blood. Is he as as uh, the writer of Hebrews here speaks? The first covenant was dedicated by Moses with blood as he took hyssop. And he sprinkled blood upon the law. And he took that hyssop and sprinkled that blood upon the people. And it was dedicated with blood. And this covenant, by the shedding of Jesus Christ, he not only fulfilled the first covenant, but he dedicated a new covenant by his blood. We finish reading uh, verse 20, verse 21. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of all the, of the ministry and almost all things are by law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves are better sacrifices than these. You know, here he says everything that was a part of that earthly tabernacle that was patterned after the heavenly had to be dedicated, had to be sprinkled with blood. But the, the heavenly things, because there is a better sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, they need not be dedicated. So Christ here has made a new covenant, mediated for us a new covenant by His death on the cross and by His shed blood. In verse 24, I want us to see where Christ is now. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Christ is in the presence of God for us. There He has, he has brought His own precious blood to make atonement for your sins and for mine. And the Bible tells us that Christ remains there in the presence of God. You say, Pastor, what is Christ doing in the presence of God? Well, the Word of God tells us Look back at Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 24. Verse 
Verse 24 says, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. Notice this, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. You see, where is Jesus now? The Bible says He is there. And He ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. You see, though, because we continue to live in this sin-cursed world, and though we continue to live with this flesh, this flesh that the Bible says is, is, is not redeemed, and, and uh, we fight against that flesh. The Bible says we, as, as Christians, live in a daily struggle between the flesh and the Spirit. And the Spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, so that we cannot do the things that we would. You see, we struggle against the flesh, and we sometimes lose that battle. We find forgiveness because a perfect sacrifice has been made by a perfect high priest in the heavenlies. So when we sin, we come to our high priest and the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's keep reading in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 25. The Bible says, nor yet that He should offer Himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many, the sins of many. And unto them which look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You see, because Jesus was Himself a perfect sacrifice. The Bible says that only one sacrifice, one sacrifice is enough. He only had to sacrifice Himself one time. He, he said, it's interesting the way this passage is worded. You see, He said, if, if, if Christ was, if He was not a perfect sacrifice, He would have to sacrifice Himself Again and again, repeatedly. Every year, Christ would have to make an offering of Himself. He said from the very beginning. You see, those who would offer sacrifices, I think of specifically of the mention of Abel's sacrifice, how he took one of his flock and he, he, he sac made that sacrifice to God, that sacrifice of blood to make atonement, to give Him forgiveness of sin to make him acceptable in the sight of God. That was a picture of the fact that one day the Lamb of God would come. And if Christ's sacrifice was not sufficient, then Christ would have had to sacrifice himself then. And every time a sacrifice was made pointing to that perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of our Savior. You see, and th understand, this is, this is where we see a vast difference between true faith in Jesus Christ and ritualistic religion. You see, the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient. 
See, I, I want to remind you tonight that when it comes to this matter of forgiveness of sins, you don't need me. Okay, now, now again, you, you need to love me. Okay, as Christians, we love each other. But, but understand, I, I, I cannot function as your priest. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man. Say it with me. The man Christ Jesus. You see, I'm not a priest that can wield any kind of spiritual authority over you to grant forgiveness of your sin. You see, and this is why we need to understand the symbolism of the Lord's table that we'll partake of in a few minutes. You see there, the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church believe in a doctrine they teach called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation, trans of course means to move or change. So transubstantiation, what they say is literally the substance changes, the elements of the Lord's Supper. We serve what Jesus served his disciples, unleavened bread and, and, uh, and unfermented juice. And, 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 uh, and, and the, the Catholics will teach, their doctrine teaches that when you take that, uh, that, that, that wafer, when you drink of that wine, that becomes the literal body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you're a sinner and you're still in this in-curse earth and you're still in this body of flesh, you need to have atonement for sins. There must be a sacrifice for your sins. So, according to Catholic teaching, every time the, the wafer is eaten and the cup is drunk, drunk from, every time Mass is conducted, Jesus' body is broken afresh and anew. He is sacrificed once again. You see, what, the, what, what they have done is create a religious system that is absolutely dependent upon the work of the priest. You are receiving from that priest. And by the way, it doesn't matter, the Catholic, according to Catholic teaching, it doesn't matter the spiritual state of that high priest. It could be a pedophile for, uh, for that matter. But, but, uh, but, but you need the mass that he has to give. You need that forgiveness. You, you, and so week after week, month, after month, year after year, decade after decade, you participate in Mass and, and, and you receive the, the, uh, uh, the, the communion, the Eucharist, the, 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 the wafer and the juice and, and, uh, and knowing, uh, believing that because you have crucified the body of Christ and shed His blood afresh and anew, you now have forgiveness of sins. If you live to be 70 years old, over 3,000 times you have crucified Christ just for you. Just for your sin. But even that is not enough. Because in the moments of death, you need to call a priest to come and to administer last rites. And once again, you must receive the Eucharist, the, 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 the wafer, and, and, and drink of the cups. And, and uh, you, you need that forgiveness so that you don't have to get detained in purgatory for some matter of time. You, you, you can enter straight into heaven. You see, it's a religious system that says, yes, Christ died for your sins, but you need to stay in good standing with us in order to get it. My friend, that's wicked. To enslave people in that lie. You need us to administer the body and blood of Christ in order to receive forgiveness of sins. You see, the Bible says Christ was sacrificed once. You see, but now once in the end of the world hath He appeared to put away sin 
by the sacrifice of Himself. Once and for all, Jesus died on the cross. I want to give you just a few thoughts as we finish up the message tonight. A few principles from, from our, our, our study here in chapter 9. Number one, the only way that anyone ever will have, or have ever had, has ever had, or will have forgiveness of sin is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My friend, there is no other way. You see, if you can be saved by good living, then Jesus died in vain. You see, and, and I want to remind you this, this right here, Christ as the only way to heaven, His blood, the only way to have forgiveness of sins, that is why the world hates Christianity. You see, Christianity can't fit on the world's shelf of religions. You know, all the other religions are, are tolerant of each other. And, and uh, you know, there, there might be some animosity here and there. But, but in general, you're, you're okay. I, I want to remind you tonight, according to Islam, you're okay. You know, because, because in the end, there, there is a, a moral theism. As long as you've been a good person and you believe in some form of God. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you, you're... You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be fine in the end. You see, I want to remind you, Jesus Christ makes no exceptions. The only way that we can come to God is through His precious blood. You see, John fourteen six, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Himself. If God sacrificed himself there can be no other way you see this secondly those who enter into covenant are sealed by the holy spirit of god verse 14 it speaks of the eternal spirit because of christ's sacrifice because he completed the first uh, the, the, the the first covenant fulfilled the first covenant and and uh, and entered into a second the Bible tells us that you and I have the Spirit of God. See, the reason, uh, the reason that we are transformed. You know, the Bible tells us there in verse 14 to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, the reason you're transformed is because of the Spirit of God. You know, it's not because of, of, of hearing teaching and having uh, doctrinal teachings, uh, uh, you know, beat into your head week in and week out. No, no, no. It is the Spirit inside of you transforming you. And you see, and that's why the Bible tells us here, you purge your conscience from dead works. No longer do you want to be a part of a dead religious system. You, you no longer find pleasure in dead rituals. You've got the Spirit of God living within you. You, you, want, you want a church to be alive. You, you, uh, and by the way, to that end, when it's time to sing, sing. You know, show that you have some life in you and, and, uh, and say amen every once in a while just to show me you're not sleeping. And uh, you know, you listen, I, I, you don't want to be a part of a dead church. Okay? I, I understand that. You know, a, a place where people just kind of trudge in and everybody's just going through the motions and, and doing their religious duty. I don't want to pastor a dead church. You know, the, the Bible says that because the Spirit of God is in you, 
you, that, that's why you can't just pray the rosary and, and uh, just just uh, chant prayers and, and, and hope that God will hear you because of your much speaking. No, no, no. It's the Spirit of God that transforms us. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of that in several places. Look back to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, look at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 8 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Let me ask you something. If God didn't do this for Israel, if God couldn't write His law in their minds and in their hearts, What's different about the second covenant? You see, it's the indwelling spirit of God. The Bible says uh, the writer of Hebrews mentions that again in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Verse 15 says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart. And into their minds will I write them. You see, as a, as, a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God within. And since you have the Spirit of God inside of you, His law is written on your heart. You know, yes, we read the Word of God and we study the Word of God, but, but uh, I want to remind you that when the Spirit of God is within you can enjoy sin. You, you see, I, I want to just tell you right now, you might as well go ahead and give up trying. Because the Spirit of God is not going to let you be comfortable while you live in sin. You see, He's going to be convicting you and He's going to be calling you to repentance and the things that you used to involve yourself in, the things that you even used to live for. You're no longer going to find that enjoyment in. You see, the Spirit of God is transforming us from the inside out. He's fashioning us to make us like Christ. Let me say this lastly. Number three, when you sin, even though the sacrifice has already been made, you must go to your high priest. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. We'll finish here for the message. 1 John chapter 1. When you're saved, the Spirit of God comes to indwell the believer in. We live in union with Christ. The Bible says that we are in Christ again and again. The Scriptures remind us we are in Christ. You see, your sins are forgiven. But the Bible reminds us that though our sins are forgiven, though a perfect sacrifice has been made, we still come to our high priest when we sin. Look at verse, uh, verse uh, 7. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, when we sin as a Christian, we come back to our high priest. We 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 come and we the Bible says we confess that sin. And the Bible says he's faithful. He's just because he is our perfect priest and our who offered our perfect sacrifice on our behalf. He forgives us of our sin and cleanses us from that unrighteousness. You see, we don't have to take a lamb and make that trip to the tabernacle to uh, to to get uh, forgiveness of our sin. You know, some people foolishly say, well, you know, then then if uh, if if you believe that Jesus just forgives you of your sin after you're saved, then you can just live in sin and sin as much as you want. And that's not what the word of God says here or elsewhere. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. Romans chapter six, verse one says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, we don't want to sin. You see, if you if you want to take stock right now, am I a child of God? I want to ask you, is the spirit of God living within you, convicting you of sin, convicting you to live righteously and in a way that that would please God? You see, we don't want to sin, but understand we can only live above sin as we walk in the spirit. You see, but we, we falter and the flesh lusteth against the spirit and we walk in the flesh and we say things we ought not to say. We do things we ought not to do. And when we sin, we come to our high priest and we confess our sin. And the Bible says, as our advocate, the one who makes intercession for us because a perfect sacrifice has been made on our behalf, the Bible says he forgives us our sin. And He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What a, what, a, what a wonderful high priest we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to read a few Scriptures before we partake of the Lord's table tonight. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 